Spider-Man No Way Home is now out in theaters. So today I'm going to be ranking all 11 Spider-Man films from with Venom from the worst to the best. Hey everyone, welcome back to Movie Morning. Today I'm going to be ranking all 11 Spider-Man movies from the worst to the best. I'm sure you have been around. You know, I'm a massive Spider-Man fan. So obviously I've seen all these movies multiple times and, and I've rewatched pretty much all of them with the exception of Spider-Verse within the last month. And I just watched some of them for the first time a few days ago and one of them for the very first time last month. This will include the Venom films as well as the most recent entry, Spider-Man No Way Home. To give a spoiler warning, I will be spoiling every single one of the movies on here with the exception of Spider-Man No Way Home. So I will be discussing spoilers for even recent ones like Venom with the Carnage or like even Far From Home, but that was a few years ago now, obviously. So pretty much if you haven't seen No Way Home, but you've seen every other movie on this list, you will absolutely be fine listening to this ranking. With that said, let's get started at number 11. And no surprise here, number 11 for me is The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Now I do have to admit, and something I do have to say, is that I did review The Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 a few weeks back, but I reviewed them before I rewatched them. And having watched them again... They're not as, I don't dislike them as much as I did the last time I watched them. In particular, the first film, I didn't, I didn't dislike the first film when I recently reviewed it, but I was definitely really harsh on it, and I would take back a bit of what I said. Even with this movie, there's a lot more actually like in this movie than I remember, and it's, but it's easily still one of the most frustrating comic book movies in existence. There's a lot of great individual moments, but they're paired with some really bad story ideas and execution. There's too many villains in this movie, and I think everyone knows that. There's too many plot lines, and the movie just feels convoluted. But some of what works in the first film is still here, and in particular, that is Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, who are even better in this film. Gwen's death is a heartbreaking scene, and it works because you care about this relationship. Andrew Garfield is actually even better in this movie as Spider-Man and Peter Parker than he was in the first movie. And I think they toned back some of the things that I didn't really like about his character in the first film. Visually, this is one of the strongest entries in the entire Spider-Man franchise. Fantastic web swinging, cool-looking action sequences, and an amazing suit. And Hans Zimmer's score is something I mixed on, but the main theme paired, like, removed from Spider-Man, I can enjoy listening to. But there are way too many subplots here. And you can still tell a lot was cut out. There's so many mandated plot points that are so unnecessary future movie setup and storylines that I'm not interested in. This makes this movie such a bore to rewatch. And I'm mainly talking about Harry Osborn here. The villains just do not work. Rhino just sucks. Electro doesn't fit the tone of the relationship drama they're going for for most of this movie. And the inclusion of Harry Osborn just felt unnecessary and shoehorned by the end of the third act. But the thing I hate the most about these movies is how much Peter Parker's parents are focused on it. It completely takes away the relatability of the character and really disappointed me. And 20 minutes shaved off this would easily allow time for a lot more things that I really like in this franchise. Number 10, Spider-Man 3, and I always get really frustrated talking about this movie because there's so much in here to like, but and even more to like here than The Amazing Spider-Man 2, but overall, this movie is just a mess, and Sony's studio meddling 
played a big role in this. It is a major letdown compared to the previous two films, and this is a very overcrowded film with may way too many plot lines that aren't as developed as they should be. The movie really struggles to balance everything. The plot lines and villains kind of just get kicked out on multiple occasions as you go through the film. And there's also some really lazy and lame plot points, obviously the hairy amnesia stuff. And something that I've always noticed in this movie is that there's actually a few moments where I feel like they actually recreate some of the emotional moments from previous movies and kind of bring back some of the same relationship drama, which is really unnecessary. And it felt, again, kind of lazy. On the different villains, Topher Grace as Venom, when he's actually in as Venom, is just laughably bad in the climax. I really like Sandman, and I like the redemption arc that he has at the end, but I just, I just don't think he's given enough development to, for everything to land. But I have to say, compared to The Amazing Spider-Man 2, this movie is way more entertaining. And it's very hilarious at points in terms of like, just being meme-worthy content. Now, the original Spider-Man trilogy is one of the most memed-up you know, film trilogies in the history of movies, not even just in the history of comic book movies. But it does make it really entertaining and fun to watch at points. And there's some really cool sequences outside of that. There's some actual good sequences, like the bell tower sequences. And I love the idea of using the black suit as kind of a device to fuel Peter's rage and his dark side. But unfortunately, though, it just doesn't get the time it deserves. And because of that, The Amazing Spider-Man 3, or excuse me, Spider-Man 3, that's a movie I do not want to see, especially with the original ideas they had. But because of that, Spider-Man 3 kind of just ends up being an unsatisfying conclusion to an overall great trilogy. Number nine is Venom. And just to give a point of reference, I would actually go positive on every single movie from here on out, including Venom, which is, again, my number nine. Is this a good superhero movie? No. Is it a superhero movie that feels ripped out of the 2000s? Yup. Is it a big, dumb, monster B movie? Yes, but it knows exactly what it is, for the most part, and I still have fun watching this thing. Before Venom is introduced, the movie is extremely clunky and very weirdly structured, but as soon as Eddie sneaks into the Life Foundation and kind of bonds with the Venom symbiote, the movie picks up and I have a really fun time with the rest of the movie. The script is extremely paper-thin through, and most of my enjoyment comes from Tom Hardy, who has amazing chemistry with himself and absolutely eats up every single scene of this movie and carries the entire movie, as well as both of these, this entire franchise, on his shoulders. There's a lot of jokes that don't land, but I'm willing to accept it because I feel like his delivery just feels so passionate and you can just tell he cares about it. He clearly put a lot of passion into this role, and I at least really appreciate that. Some of the action is also actually kind of cool, which I don't think people give enough credit to in these two Venom movies. But obviously, this is not including the final battle, which is kind of just heartbreakingly bad because you can't see anything because both of the characters basically have the same color. Number eight, just edging out, just, just edging out the original is Venom. Let there be carnage. Now, I really went back and forth on which one I wanted to put above the other. But I think Venom Let There Be Carnage, I think, is just more consistent. It's a dumb, entertaining superhero B-movie, absolutely. 
It's amusing while also being extremely absurd at points. Again, Tom Hardy is still putting on a one-man show as Tom Hardy, as Eddie Brock, excuse me, and Venom, and their relationship is di- and dynamic is the absolute standout of the movie. But it actually weirdly isn't in as much of the movie as I'd hoped, and because of that, kind of actually falls closer to the original. I think Harrelson is good as Cletus Cassidy, but Carnage, to be honest, is a complete bust in this movie. He's not really a character like Venom, but at least the third act fight between him and Venom is cool and actually see everything that was going on this time. This movie, though, is so quickly paced that it doesn't have as many memorable moments of banter, I feel like, as the first movie. And I think like 20 to 25 extra minutes, which would have made this actually like a standard comic book movie length, could have helped make the movie more memorable because the plot is extremely thin and there's a, there's a lot of unnecessary stuff in here. But obviously the post credit scene of this movie is just iconic. I mean, the, I'm not going to spoil whether it goes anywhere in, you know, you know, the films following this. But I was just, I was so happy when I saw the post credit scene for this movie. Seeing Tom Holland Spider-Man finally having a chance to interact with Tom Hardy's Eddie Brock. Coming in at my number seven is Spider-Man Far From Home. Now this was one that did drop quite a few spots since my last ranking. I believe I had this at number two when I ranked these movies when I first started uh, the show like two and a half years back. But... I still have a lot of fun with Spider-Man Far From Home and still acknowledge now that I think there are a lot of story and character issues in this. The humor especially actually takes a massive step down from Homecoming. It's very awkwardly executed. The movie also repeats a lot of plot lines and plot points and character arcs from Spider-Man Homecoming. And I, I don't think they were as well executed as Homecoming either. It was executed fine just with kind of a different context. I just hope we kind of move forward the character a bit more. And I think the last issue I really had to have, I think, is that they really need to move past Tony Stark by this point. I think they're still being tied to him with the Spider-Man franchise really hurt the will really hurt kind of the legacy of how we remember Tom Holland's era as Spider-Man. Even though obviously that's not ending anytime soon. No matter what you hear, believe me, he will make five more Spider-Man movies. If Sony wants that to do, wants that to happen, and looks like they do, um, but I just wish we kind of move past this a bit quicker because I feel like we've been stuck in this for like three and a half years by this point. But again, moving on, I still have a blast watching this movie. Jake Gyllenhaal is easily one of the best parts about the movie, and he can be over the top, ruthless, but also really charming at points. And I think that he's the twist is obviously really predictable. Everyone knows Mysterio's a villain. But at least, um, there. But at least I feel like they give us Mysterio, really cool Mysterio sequences, which are obviously fantastic. And I at least think that Mysterio and Quentin Beck is one of the more sympathetic villains we've had in the MCU. And it seems like to be these Spider-Man movies, at least the first two strong points, that is really strong villains. And what's most important is that it does give you know a compelling backstory that also means that the character can have very fun action sequences, and they're some of the best out of the entire Spider-Man franchise. In terms of looking at this movie as a whole, the final battle is actually very well directed and choreographed. It's actually a major step up from Homecoming, which I was really impressed by. 
Tom Holland's great once again, and his relationship with and chemistry with Zendaya's MJ is much improved, and she's also a much better character in here. And it feels very tangible and relationship and relatable that that relationship. I mean, and I really want to see the relationship pay off by the end, and that means the movie did do its job. And the mid credit scene, seeing J.K. Simmons back as J. Joan Jameson, I mean, this movie is just always going to be remembered. For that just for me personally because I've always loved that character and seeing him again was just an amazing moment. Number six is The Amazing Spider-Man. My opinion with this movie changes so often that it actually bugs me how much it changes on my ranking sometimes. The Amazing Spider-Man is a pretty good fresh take on Spider-Man for the time that really tries to distinguish itself from the Raimi trilogy. It does try so hard doing that but it still repeats a lot of the same plot and character beats. And because of that, the movie does feel like it kind of has a bit of an identity crisis, an identity fight with itself. But on its own terms, I think this is a pretty solid Spider-Man flick. A few issues starting right off the bat. I think that the retelling of the origin was supremely unnecessary, and it can't fully change it because it won't feel like Spider-Man, so it kind of just repeats the same beats, even though it really didn't need to do that if they were trying to do something different i'm not a fan of the visual style mark webb chose for these movies it, the colors are just a bit too drab and i'm also not fully into the idea of a douchey angsty teen peter parker but what sells me on it is andrew garfield's incredible portrayal of a vulnerable peter parker and he's so good at playing this role that he at least make, makes me appreciate the effort to do so the best part about this movie is the character relationships, in particular between Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker and Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy, who's another great character in these movies. They both work extremely well, extremely well together, and their interactions are the scenes that I find the most memorable in both TASM movies. And even in the emotional moments, because you're so tied to the characters, I feel like the emotional moments land harder in this movie than in other Spider-Man franchises because the character relationships are so focused on by the writer and director and I at least like that Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man kind of fixes some of the mistakes that I had with Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man and he's a bit more jokey and quippy and I at least appreciate that obviously there's also some iconic Spider-Man sequences in here like the bridge sequence and the crane sequence and the web swinging and action are both top-notch in this for the most part in my opinion and James Horner's Spider-Man score might be my favorite out of any Spider-Man score, which is odd to say because Danny Elfman's one is so iconic. Number five is Spider-Man, an iconic origin story film for the title character, and it's a great one. But it's actually more than that. It's set up so much of what we've come to know today as the superhero genre. It's incredibly influential and so groundbreaking for just movies in general for the time. The movie itself, I think, is still great to this day. It tells a classic. It tells a very classic take on the origin. That it's hard to have to not have like such a big smile, whenever, you know, whenever one of the one of the classic notes are hit, whenever the plot beats are hit. While he's able to do that, Raimi also injects so much of his usual flash and style into this, which creates a a true artist vision, something that I feel like we've been missing from comic book movies recently, even ones that I love. And even with its cheese and everything that comes with that, it has a unique flavor. I've never fully loved Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man in, in particular, but he's starting to 
the more I the more I rewatch the movies, the more I actually do. But what I've always loved about him is that he plays such a naive and perfect Peter Parker, and I think he excels at that with all the innocence you'd want. The scene stealers in this film, though, are obviously J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson, one of my favorite movie characters of all time, and Willem Dafoe as the Green Goblin is so great at, you know, just chewing up the scenery, and I appreciate more every single time whenever I rewatch this movie, the character that is, because I feel like they actually try to build him up as a compelling antagonist. And the special effects for the time were revolutionary, and did probably look fantastic for the time. And obviously Danny Elfman's score for this movie, just iconic. It's just everything a Spider-Man score needs. What holds this film back, I feel like, from being fully top-tier Spider-Man or comic book movie material is that some of the -the over-the-top cheese just goes a bit too far sometimes, especially some of the melodramatic elements they try to do with MJ. I'm not a fan of Mary Jane Watson in these movies at all. I think she's easily the weakest aspect across all three movies. But I think Sam Raimi really managed to perfect the blend between his style and, you know, Spider-Man in the second film. When he holds himself back a bit, but this film feels, definitely starts feeling a bit dated. And I think it's going to be one that ages weaker than some of the other films on this list. Coming into my number four is Spider-Man Homecoming. Now, this is a movie that I feel like everyone really liked when the movie first came out, but I've seen more and more people turn on this movie. And that kind of breaks my heart because I still love Spider-Man Homecoming. And I will literally defend this movie until the end of time. It is one of the most rewatchable and amazing Spider-Man movies, pun intended, ever made. I love that this movie finally goes into Peter's experience as a high schooler. It feels authentic. Again, not that I don't like Toby and Andrew, but they never really felt like actual teenagers to me. And I feel like Tom Holland really brings that feeling. I waited a long time to see that. This is probably the most consistently funny Spider-Man movie. And it also feels more like a teen comedy than it does like an actual spider, like a superhero movie. But it always feels like Spider-Man at the center, which I really like. I enjoy the change of pace before that. Tom Holland is my personal favorite live-action Spider-Man. And while not all his movies are necessarily my favorites, his portrayal feels undeniably authentic and likable. And Tom Holland's fantastic at that. And John Watts' directorial style is very unique and doesn't come through as much. He has a great grip on the character, and I think it's fantastic. There's a phenomenal, there's a few phenomenal sequences, in particular the, the scene where he's, he's, you know, carrying the rubble rip trade from ASM number 33. And obviously the, the vulture is a fantastic villain, and the scene in the car and the twist still surprised me, and, you know, just still just shocked me when I originally watched this in the theater. And it's such a great twist that adds more to the villain and a more personal connection that makes you invest in what happens. And this movie, what I can say about it is that as a Spider-Man fan, it's hard not to feel good watching it because it's such a likable movie. It's a light movie, don't get me wrong, but I think it's just so rewatchable. Again, I think my biggest issue is that it is very tied into the Iron Man Jr., side of this character and it is very prevalent here but a lot of this movie is about growing out of that and for the time it worked a lot better than it does now because now we know that far from home kind of decided to repeat the same arc 
but I still love this movie. I always will. No one will ever change my mind. I will defend it until the end of time. I love it. It's so great. And I can watch it almost every day. Kicking off my top three now is Spider-Man No Way Home. Just adding, edging out Spider-Man Homecoming for me. I think this is the strongest Spider-Man flick of the three Homecoming films. This is the perfect love letter to cinematic Spider-Man fans and it's a celebration of 20 years of these movies while also telling a compelling quintessential Spider-Man story at its core. Is this a perfect movie? Nope. The first act is definitely a bit clunky, rushed, and is a bit lazy, but at least it's entertaining and that's what I can say about it. But I can't deny that this was easily one of the best theatrical experiences I've ever had in my life. It's the very first time I've experienced people actually clapping in the theater and that was great to see. Seeing all of the villains come back and them interacting about the different, about the different universes was, felt very self-aware but was so much fun. The standout of the villains is easily Willem Dafoe and he might even be more frightening in this movie than he was back in 2002. This is a much more emotional and dark film than any of the recent MCU Spider-Man movies, and it's actually very rich in that, and has very high stakes, something that I haven't felt as much recently. And while there's a lot of multiversal madness going on, Peter Parker's arc is never overshadowed. His actions he takes actually has consequences, and he has to deal with ramifications this time around. This movie gets better and better as it goes along. It ends on the highest of high notes. The absolute, one of the absolute strongest endings out of any Spider-Man film ever. And I don't think I've smiled so much watching a film ever. With the exception of like obviously Avengers Endgame. And the last, the second and third act of this film, even towards the end of the first act, are so good, so satisfying that I'm almost willing to accept the weaker first 40 to 45 minutes, which... I think that, again, felt a bit rushed. I can't wait to see this again. I cannot wait for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. And I absolutely cannot wait for the next Spider-Man film, which Amy Pascal has teased, is coming. My runner-up, and I honestly never thought I'd be placing this movie this high in a Spider-Man ranking I make, is Spider-Man 2. This is one of the all-time great comic book movies, and it's definitely one that I've actually had pretty turbulent relationship with over the years but then I think I've settled on it now as this is the second best Spider-Man film ever made and I don't know what it is about me in this movie there's times when I kind of just I just don't really I haven't really loved this movie and I think this is one that's gone better with age the more we've gone along this is an absolute classic and this movie holds up much better than the original 2002 film Raimi's style and the hokey nature of these movies is still here, but it actually adds to the experience. There's a lot more cinematic flair to this movie. Spider-Man 2 does such a great job of continuing the themes from the first film, and most importantly, is Peter's journey. He's constantly getting beaten down by the people around him, both mentally and physically, and it really shows you how the job of living the two lives of Spider-Man, lines with Doc Strange says in the trailer, a trailer for No Way Home, affects a superhero. And even in the context of this crazy comic book world that Raimi's created, I love the way that he uses the Spider-Man No More comic storyline to show that Peter's really, you know, the, 
Peter's really feeling the ramifications of doing this. And really, it's used to hammer down the iconic line, with great power comes great responsibility. Obviously, Alfred Molina is Doc Ock. It's one of the most iconic villains in comic book movie history. He's great in this. What's so great about him is that he is relatable. He's sympathetic and has an amazing redeeming moment towards the end of the movie, which is just top-tier stuff. Also, discounting the weird, like, you know, illusion and multiverse stuff we've gotten in the later movies, I think this movie has the best directed and choreographed action Spider-Man out of any Spider-Man action sequences out of any film. I honestly could talk about the train sequence alone for literally hours, but it's not even because of the action, which is still fantastic. It's because of how it presents New York as a character. And I feel like this is something that we've kind of missed in the Tom Holland movies that I started to feel a bit with No Way Home, but I would love for them to go more in future Spider-Man movies. But I just love that, that this, you know, I love how good New York feels in this movie and how well presented it is as a character. But coming in at first place is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. I think at this point, this is kind of universally agreed to be most, I would say, if we're talking about everybody, I think if you were to ask like a hundred Spider-Man fans, what's their favorite Spider-Man movie? I think at least, I think over 60% of people would now say Spider-Man is a Spider-Verse. And I am also now in this camp. This movie is actually the more I've gotten watched it, gotten better. It's genuinely one of the most creative, not just comic book movies, but one of the most creative animated films ever. It's one of my favorite animated films ever, along with also being one of my favorite comic book movies ever. The animation is absolutely gorgeous, and I love how comic booky everything feels from the visuals to the words that pop up on screen. The characters are almost all fantastic, with Peter B. Parker being the absolute standout. Jake Johnson perfectly plays the older, more tired version of Spider-Man who's hilarious and even with the Spider-Verse aspect and how many characters introduce Miles' journey is never overshadowed and a compliment I also gave similarly to No Way Home but in this movie I feel like it's even more powerful because by the end you know he grows his relationship with the city grows and you can tell that you know what the Spider-Man thing has kind of actually helped him in a lot of different ways and I just love the way this is easily one of the best-looking movies I have ever seen, and it's an animated movie, and might have the most potent, powerful arc in any Spider-Man flick ever. And obviously, the soundtrack, original score, both absolutely fire, and they're iconic, and everything else is just killer in this movie, to be honest. It's every, this movie is perfect. I honestly don't... This is the perfect Spider-Man movie. I honestly don't have any clear issues that I could mention when it comes to this movie that I could just be like, oh, I didn't like that. At this point, I just don't have that. And for me, that's why Spider-Verse comes in at number one. And with that said, that does come to the end of this ranking. Make sure to come back in a few days for my spoiler review of Spider-Man No Way Home as well as my MCU ranking. And then after that, obviously best of the year list, maybe ranking all 2021 comic book movies and also my most anticipated movies of next year. Thank you guys so much for listening. I'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye.